I'm Pete Primo. This is the podcast for furniture and mattress store owners who want to make more money without the BS. Welcome to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. If you own a furniture or mattress store or you work in one, this is a podcast for you. Episode 006 with Jeff Janakovo from Gardner's Mattress and More and Infotel. And with my co-host, Doug Stewart. Hello, Pete. What's up, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Jeff, you're the, you there? I am here, guys. Thank you for having me. Excited to uh, participate in this podcast. Well, it's our pleasure. As you know, our, um, our audience basically is furniture and mattress store owners. There's a few RSAs on here, and there's a few sales reps, actually, um, that are here, too. Um, so, Jeff, I'm going to go back in time when I first met you. I met yep. you at a GKIC marketing conference, and Simon Aronowitz, the testimonial guru, actually invite, introduced us. And I remember two things. You were very preoccupied, and I saw your mind working in your eyes. And I just said, my gosh, this guy's brilliant. <laughs> and I had never heard of you. And I checked you out through, you know, I've been doing this now for 33 years. Back then it was probably, you know, three years ago already. Gosh, how does time fly? Um, and I checked you out through my sources in the industry and everybody came back and said, you know, Jeff was an absolute stud rep for Corsicana for 12 years and everyone was wondering whatever happened to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, here I am. Here and I here am. Here you are. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, yeah, no problem. No problem. Happy to do it. Got a few questions here. Mindy uh, from Mindy's Ohio Mattress asks, "What have you found are the best marketing avenues? Print, radio, social media." or an equal mix of all for promoting your business? I guess that's a lot, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as you'll find out, Pete, well, you know, my answers are never um, quick and easy answers because it's <laughs> usually usually the question is more of a, you know, um, part of a broader question that needs to be asked. So for me, it's it's not a question of which one works best. To me, it's which marketing medium is your target customer going to most be likely to use, um, you know, so like in our business where we focus heavily on baby boomers and seniors and we've written a book in marketing to them, actually, you know, we're not all that focused on social media for them as we are on some other avenues. Uh, we have a great little social media presence, a great online social proof and review presence, but it is not where we spend our bigger dollars. So I think the first question, Mindy, that you need to an answer and, and kind of uh, address for yourself is who's the customer you're going after. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm guessing, you know, a little smaller business, you're probably not a bigger chain. Uh, Pete, how many how many stores does Mindy have? One is this store. one store? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you certainly don't have the the large chain mass media budget. So you, the answer can't be why well, I sell everybody uh, because you'll just spend yourself out of business. So you got to really identify who's that core customer that you serve or want to serve. And then go after the media they're going to be looking at, that they're going to be listening to, that they're going to be absorbing. Um, maybe it's print, maybe it's radio. Uh, whatever you do, um, you need to follow four core tenets of, of advertising, and that's have a headline, have an offer, have a message, and have a deadline. Um, you know, and it, you can do that even in a thirty-second radio spot, but. If you're not doing any of those things, you're probably wasting your advertising no matter what you're doing. So to kind of sum it up, point your advertising at the customer you want to go after or the customer most likely to do business with you. What media are they going to use? What media are they going to absorb? And then once you've figured that out, headline, offer, call to action, message, and deadline. And you you know you just need to have those... Uh, have those things in there. That's what will make your advertising. That'll give you the shot in the vein in your advertising that you're looking for. Does that make so, sense, guys? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Jeff, I've got a question about that. So, yep. when when you were making that determination for your for your company, mm -hmm. 
do you make that determination or would you recommend people make that determination based on uh, the larger demographic or make that determination based on what message they prefer to give or prefer to send out to the market? Yeah, I mean, you know, the answer is it can be both. Um, we kind of did an end around on it where about three years ago, I guess it was, um, we had our, our broader customer base uh, scored not only by demographics, but psychographics. So we mm. took our entire customer base, which at the time was, I believe, 10, maybe 15,000. So we had a really good, we had a really good um, uh, baseline to pull from. Um, and what we found is that our top customers, those that are, you know, the 20% of the audience giving us 80% of our business mm-hmm. is, um, is in that boomer and senior uh, subset. Interesting. So, yeah, so we, we kind of said, well, all right, we're not going to, you know, I, I'm, I'm a student of the 80-20 rule. I always look to it. Um, just this morning I was having a um, conversation about the rate by which we pay workers' comp insurance, and 80% of our workers' comp goes to 20% of the audience that can actually be injured uh, in our company. You know, just, you know whole other subject, but 80-20 rule exists everywhere. So we said, why fight that? Because it's silly to fight it. Right. Um, so we went after, we really go after that boomer and senior audience. So, and we position to that. So we do a lot of print um, and we do a lot of radio. Mm. Um, to the other question, can you choose to do it? Absolutely. But to me, that choice needs to be a business decision. Um, you know, it can't be a gut decision because... Right. And it can't even be like, you know, friends and families contributing into that gut-based decision because uh, that's a very dangerous way to do business. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, for us, it was about data as opposed to choice. We just, we just made the choice to go with the data, if you will. We didn't fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we made, and we made a, you know, what I would like to think is an intelligent business decision based on response and data that we got back from our own customer list. You know, I've I've had some conversations with other retailers that 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 not only take take a demographic, they make it one person, right? They say this is our ideal customer, mm, and they yep. sort of build their their programs, they build their promotions, they build their advertising around that one sort of um, mythological person. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. Is that something that you do as well? Well, I mean, we build we build our advertising and promoting around a few different people. So we have a few different core avatars. And again, this is something we got back in that psychographics score. Mm. Yeah. We had four or five different core avatars. And they were all, uh, one of them was uh, like a Gen Y uh, type family. So like, you know, 35 to 45 type group, um, but still pretty well established. Um, very close in spending and, and uh political mm-hmm. and religious belief, very close to our boomers and seniors audience, just a little younger, a uh, little more responsive to financing offers as opposed to just pay with cash or credit card or check. Um, sure. But um, so we, we, we have four of those core avatars within that boomer and senior group. So when we're talking with them, we're able to relate to them in the store on a much different level as to how they're going to respond as opposed to having this one perfect customer that's going to walk in the door a hundred times out of a hundred. Cause that's just not right. going to happen. Sure. Um, you know, and I think today more than ever to say our customer does this, I mean, it, it's just, there's, there's, there's so many different things a consumer can do with their money, with their time, with their purchase. Uh, there's so many things competing for that attention to say you can have one type of customer I think is a pretty broad statement. I, you know? I agree. I agree. Yep, I think you need uh, avatars that reflect the diversity of your base without yep. getting so uh, spread out that you no longer have anyone to market to. So what I heard you say is be where your customers are in a real kind of concise yes. way. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the other thing that I'm hearing is uh, – is a message that I've been putting out for a long time, and Dan Kennedy, who's one of your mentors, has been putting out for a long time, and that is the importance of measuring your advertising results. Oh yeah, yep. And and you know you couldn't make that decision uh, without having that. So can you talk about that just for a minute? 
how you actually measure because a lot of my dealers look at me and say it's impossible and yeah. i look at them and i say it's difficult but there are a few things that you can do well yeah i mean it, listen it's not impossible nothing is impossible i mean we we put people on the moon we have you know <laughs> cameras that are taking pictures into deep space revealing newer things every day nothing is impossible um but it is difficult if you don't have the right tools, you know, and you just have to know which tools to be using. So maybe those four things I said every ad needs to be, those are probably for some listeners of this podcast, those might be new tools in advertising yeah. that no one ever thought of, right? Well, just having those four things in your ads working, that's a new tool for you. Um, so when we talk about return on investment, um, a couple of things you can do that are actually very simple today more than ever would be to, on your website, when you're directing people and you're advertising to go to your website, use a forward slash. So, you know, website.com forward slash uh, special offer. Okay. And make that offer unique to that advertising medium. Okay. Yep. This way you can track the traffic to that page for that advertising medium. So if it's if you're directing all your, your radio station traffic there, you can go there. Actually, that's probably not a good idea. I recommend a different tactic for radio. But if it's for print, let's say, um, you direct all your one uh, version of print advertising. Maybe it's a newspaper. Maybe it's your little local fish wrapper. Maybe it's a um, Valpac or coupon insert in the mailbox. Direct them to that unique URL. And that's really easy uh, to do with your on-staff web person or outsourced web person. They can just replicate that page over and over for those mediums and then put an offer on there, put coupons on there um, that the person can download and you can at least get some engagement from there. And that's how you begin tracking return on investment in a very simplistic way. Um, the high-level ways are call tracking phone numbers, um, advanced website tactics, um, you know, ways that you're moving people from online to offline and being able to track them with a, uh, you know, a CRM type, very intelligent CRM based tool in the business. Um, but to start, it's just having some of those unique URLs tied to the medium or even a tracking phone number, which is something the yellow book did years ago. And, uh, they don't even make it a part of their business anymore to present, but they should, um, so that's kind of some of the lower level things you can start. So it's not impossible. Uh, it's actually easy given the amount of tools we have available today. It's just few people pay attention to them. Yeah. Um, thanks, Jeff. I mean, guys, I, I just have to to all my listeners out there of this podcast, what you just got was probably a thousand dollars worth of mentor <laughs> and call. Just just so you understand. Yeah what you just got. And I would dare say uh, that Jeff paid a lot more money than that for what he just gave you. Would mm -hmm. that be a fair statement, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our investment in, um, in marketing education um, typically will be year over year um, in the realm of 30 to $50,000, you know, you know, education and self. Um, this year will be certainly much higher. Uh, my company, Infotail, we are participating in a very high-level mastermind this year uh, that runs about $30,000 just to be a part of that group. Wow. Um, you know, and, and I don't do that to show off. I do that to show the importance of taking the time out to listen to a podcast like this. That's education in self. Um, you know, reading some books, listening to uh, audio tapes or CD, not tapes, gee whiz, what am I, 55? Uh <laughs> I, I you almost know. am, <laughs> but uh, listening to CDs and, and, and you know, just just getting that information, um, it goes down to the good in, good out rule. Um, you know, if you're spending a lot of time on, you know, Facebook for non-business purposes, and you know, uh, watching reality TV, you're probably not doing the best you can with that time. So, education is a big importance. That that's a safe statement, and. Um there's a number that you shared with me. I'm not going to share it because that's up to you if you want to share it. But when you were a Corsicana rep and you decided that you wanted to give more value than just a product at a price to your dealers, yep. you spent a ton of money 
you let me say it differently. You invested a ton of money in yourself and in your market and education for the benefit of your dealers. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it easily topped a hundred thousand dollars, easily. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, I've been investing, you know, that in that you know thirty thousand dollar number a year through various seminars, events, home study courses, books, um, subscription newsletters. I mean, I subscribe to. Um, I think at present it's about four or five, but at the height it was eight to ten. Yeah, subscription newsletters. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I now it's um, now I, I now I really subscribe for to very specific ones for specific needs, right. as opposed to more general. But th- those things are out there; they exist. Um, you know, so it's a very worthwhile effort. So, Jeff, I just want to do a little bit of a deep dive on this, and, yep. and don't divulge anything that is proprietary or that's part of your your course that I want you to talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of give me a snapshot of what your business looked like in terms of media when you and Ben first got together, when you first came off the road and became a co-owner of Gardner's Matches, mm-hmm. what the media looked like and how those dollars were kind of allocated and then what it looks like today roughly and why you made the changes you made. Yep. Well, when we took, sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. When we, I mean, when we took over the business, um, the previous business owner, the location of the business was in a strip mall, uh, had a lot of walk by traffic that, you know, they paid for by being present in that, you know, higher profile location. Um, what had been happening though, for a number of years is the demographic was changing, uh, so much so that a dollar store came in, uh, got the lease. Uh, of the old location, and probably invested, uh, my guess would be about a quarter million to $350,000 in improvements in the property that needed to be done um, on their, uh, apparently on their, own ta- on their own dime. That's what was told to us, uh, and I have no reason to not believe that. Um, but for a dollar store to invest that kind of money in a location, that tells me that the demographic had shifted slowly over a number of years and had gone over that tipping point. And that was evidenced in the sales. And the sales were sliding down from a high of about $1.5 million to a low of like $1.1 when Ben and I bought the business. Um, you know, for that reason, we got the business at a discount. Um, but, you know, that was the business. It was a lot of walk-by traffic. There was a Yellow Pages presence, albeit small. And that was really about it. I mean, the occasional random acts of marketing, as I call it, you know. <laughs> If the if the Clipper magazine rep came in that day and you know caught caught ownership at just the right time, um, maybe they did something. Uh, there was no strategy to advertising. There certainly wasn't a, an identification of some core avatars of who the customers were in the business. It was pretty much, oh, you have money, great. We have we have mattresses and furniture to sell. Awesome, let's do business. Right. That's pretty much what it was. Okay. Um, so when we began, it, it was immediately to begin putting in some direct response principles, writing our educational guide, uh, building a list. Um, there's power in your customer list for the reasons I've already shared as far as identifying who your customers are, but being able to go and market to again and again and have a conversation. Um, and your list is not uh, your Facebook friends list because um, what if Facebook shuts off tomorrow? Um you know, and that's, and, you know, people laugh at that, but you know what? There was a company called MySpace not too long ago, and there was a company called Living Social not too long ago, and there was a company called Groupon not too long ago, and now those are all jokes. Yep. Um, so, yep. you know, don't, don't think that your list exists there. Your list exists where you house it and you own it, mm-hmm. um, and th- th- you should never outsource that one. That's, that's as bad as outsourcing your checkbook, in my opinion, because your list... Because your list makes you money. So we began building a list. We wrote our educational guide, What's Keeping You Up at Night, um, which if you go, uh, you, you mind if I tell people where to get that, Pete? I want you to. Thank okay. you. Okay. So just go to gardenersmattressandmore.com. You'll see it right on our website. Um, you'll notice a couple things. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later on our website and how we've done things different. But it was all about building a list for us, creating that engagement, the ability to engage and talk to people. 
and get them to come into the store for reasons valid to them as opposed to just sale, sale, sale. So we began with that kind of idea and platform in mind. And then, I mean, truth be told, we really played around with advertising. We did a lot of different stuff. We spent a lot of money with the local newspaper um, initially. And, you know, I mean, I think at our high point, we spent, I, I know we spent in excess of $130,000 with the local paper. Uh, at one point, it might have been as high as one fifty. I just have to go back and look. Uh, today, that number's down to $35,000. Um, you know, we really spent a lot of time figuring out who this new business was going to be because it was so different from what it was. Um, we advertised in a local, uh, you know, affluent magazine. Um, and when we started out with them, they were pulling a 10 to 1 uh, return on investment for us. And, you know, we know that because of all those tracking measurements that we had. We had a tracking phone number and every article we wrote had a unique website for it. So not only did we have a static tracking number for that medium, but we were able to see the response rate article over article. Um, as opposed to just saying, well, we think it's working. Let's look at it at the end of the year. We could look at it. That magazine published quarterly, so we could look at it quarter over quarter. Um, ultimately, we don't advertise in that anymore because it, it started pulling. It went to seven to one, which was still good, but not great. And then last year, it went down to three to one. And, that, and for us, a three to one return on investment, that's, that's like just paying the bills. And, uh, and you know, my business partner and I, we're not in the business to just be paying the bills. That's a job. You know, right. you know, if we want that, we'll just go work for, you know, a chain store or a department store. Um, so, you know, we, we had to make a business decision and that advertiser, you know, wasn't happy and immediately came back and said, well, you know, funny enough, you would say that because one of your competitors wants the article to which I said, great, let them have it because <laughs> they're going to, you know, number one, they're not going to write as good an article as we did. And number two, they're not going to be able to track it and they're actually going to spend themselves negative. Yeah, let them spend themselves out of business on on your advertising that doesn't work. Right. It, it amazes me that that salesperson did not listen to a word you said and came right. back with the oldest trick in the book. Which well, right? They're using old tools, right? Uh, I mean, they're using old tools in a modern in a modern day system in society, and and you know, I, I expected it. And okay, to my, my answer was again a business decision based answer. Um, Based in numbers and data, not in emotional gut response. That's that's very powerful. Um, do you have an example, Jeff, of a media that when you and Ben first got together, that maybe you didn't use as much, and and now maybe you use that media more? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the one that's really taken off for us, and really the last year to eighteen months has been. Um, a systematized way of getting referrals, reviews, and testimonials. Um, so really embracing the review sites uh, as opposed to just saying, yeah, that's what will happen when we do good work. You know, I mean, to me, you know, in, in our infotail business, we work with people where they believe the ante to be part of the conversation is to deliver really good stuff and really good service. Um, so that's the barometer for us to do business with clients in our infotail business. Um, and that's because you have to, you have to do that in today's society. The, 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 the adage of, you know, I've got mattresses and sofas and you've got money. Uh, that's not good enough. It's just not good enough anymore today. There's too much going on, too much competing for attention and, you know, to expect your review, um, and social proof to explode just because you delivered what the customer paid for on time. Okay. That's just what I expect as a customer. You know, you need to wow me. You need to curate an experience for me at every step. And that's really what we've embraced in the last 18 months. Um, and we've made it a system and there's, so, I mean, it's in Pete, we could talk about this today, just this, we could fill a whole hour on just this, but the high levels are, um, when we deliver something, you get a little thank you bag with candies and treats in it. There's testimonial forms in there. There's a script my delivery guys use to hand that over. Uh, my delivery guys are wearing the booties. There's a, a carpet that gets rolled out, and they vacuum underneath the customer's bed. And we do that every time. And there's scripts and processes for all of that. Um, and then when we ask internally how do we do, there's a survey. 
And if we do anything less than, an, if it's eight or below, we're taking a second look at it to make sure we didn't screw up. Right. Uh, if it's an eight or a seven, uh, our internal guy takes a look and, and says, you know, maybe we, maybe we screwed up, maybe we didn't, maybe this person's grumpy, so we're just going to pass them on to review us because we won't do anything to improve that score. But maybe we can improve that score, yeah. and then we handle it. If we get a six or below, um, it's kind of like all hands on deck, DEFCON, DEFCON 5, alarms going off, and, and, we, and, we, get, and we jump into it. Um, we've had to do that twice because it goes down to the system, right? It all goes down to systems. So we use some good tools, some good little things in that little thank you bag, the vacuum cleaner, the scripts, and, and, and lining it all up into a system, and we make it happen. And, you know, um, we, we, we make sure our staff does it. And, and they do it because we tell them, listen, if somebody was referred and they said, yeah, guard, those gardeners guys are great, great price on my bed, um, you know, which is just the funniest thing because 90% of what we sell is the same price everywhere across the country in our store. Uh, it's all MAP and MSRP product. But um, again, we, we're curating that experience that makes them believe they got a better deal when in fact they got the same deal they would have anywhere. But um, if that person says those guys are great, we love them, and they even vacuum, vacuumed under my bed, and then we don't do that the next time, not only does that person who was referred feel like a second-class citizen, but do you think that person who referred originally is going to do that again? Absolutely not. So it's all about these systems, um, and you, you, you have to be able to curate that experience the whole way um, at every step. And it's work. It's a lot of work, but it's not impossible work. But it just needs to be done. Something that just struck me, Jeff, is your staff knows that you're evaluating their work. And mm -hmm. I think that's pretty powerful. I yep. mean, <laughs> the salespeople know they're being evaluated. The delivery guys know they're actually handing it over and they have their own script. So they know that all of this is being graded and evaluated. And I have to believe that they're doing a better job because they know you and Ben uh, value uh, their participation in the customer experience. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they get it. There's been a couple times where I've seen the vacuum cleaner on, on the dock, and I you know, I don't want to say I flip out, but I'm like, flip guys, this, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but guys, this is an important part of who we are. I mean, you may view this as a vacuum cleaner, but we don't offer that. My gosh, if, if, if that person who came to us read about that and they spent four or $5,000 with us, What's the question in their mind? Yeah. What? What do I have to spend? Ten to get to, to be serviced properly, like I read about? You know, my money wasn't good enough to get the full service treatment. Yeah. You know, and, absolutely. And I mean, we do that on every delivery, whether it's five hundred bucks or five thousand bucks. It's it's well, the same process. And I think this kind of goes to the core of who you are, Jeff, and and why we became such good friends so quickly. You and Ben both, your core values, you know. It's not good enough to get a customer um, involved with your company to the point where they're comfortable enough to buy from you. It, that's not good enough. What's good enough is the cu customer buying, being so happy that they refer and they give testimonials and they love your store and they love you and your people. Yep. And, and, and owners of furniture and mattress stores everywhere Please, if you get nothing else, I mean, please understand that your people will live up to your expectations, whether they're high or whether they're low. And if you're making comments about this customer or that customer, then that feeds right into the, the system of negativity, or you can have a system of positivity. And that kind of leads me to my next thing. Jeff, I, I, I've known some businesses that got destroyed by consumer review sites. Mm -hmm. um, it, even in our business and outside of our business, and you actually literally have an army of testimonials that go out every day and do battle for you because of the systems that you have put into uh, place and that you yep. execute, more importantly. Yep. Can you talk about Infotail a little bit. Um, I was at your very first kickoff conference, and, and I have to tell you, I was so blown away. I was really going there just for my dealers and 
to pass on a few takeaways and really to kind of evaluate what you and Ben are doing to see if it's worthy or worthwhile to pass on to my dealers. And what I found is that, yes, everybody should be doing these things that you're doing. And no, they're not easy, but yes, they're simple. And you have spent an incredible amount of time and energy putting this together. And you actually have a product that our... Um, our, our listeners could get. So I really kind of want you to do a little bit of a commercial for yourself. And sure. then I have one more question that I absolutely have to ask you from Kelly Hall, but um, okay. yep. please take five, 10 minutes, whatever it takes to kind of answer that group of yep. five questions. <laughs> Was it five or seven? Either way. Might have been um, seven, brother. Uh, yeah. So Infotail is, so the first, the name. So Infotail is, is a combination of, you know, as a retailer, it really kind of gets my goat when I hear of companies like Uber who have no inventory, right? They have no, if you know what, you, you know who Uber is, right? Guys, Doug, Pete, yeah. car yeah. sharing service. Um, Airbnb is a, basically a hotel chain without hotels, without mm -hmm. physical property. Uber is a car service without a fleet of taxis. Um, you know, all these companies are valued, uh, at billions of dollars. You know, I mean, a year ago, Uber was valued at 17 billion. Today, it's $41 billion. What's built these companies is technology and systems and the social presence and proof of their company. That's what's built them. Um, at the core, they're software companies. That's what they are at their core. Uh, so Infotail, the name, came from this concept of information-based selling, okay, what a lot of the online businesses of the world, the online retailers, the e-commerce stores that every furniture and mattress store, you know, has a degree of envy to hatred for, um, that's what they're doing. It's all online and information-based selling. The, the tail part of Infotail is through the front door of a retail store. So Infotail is about driving informed consumers through the front door of your retail store. And that's where the name Infotail came from. So what Infotail does is we're a sales and marketing automation agency where we go in, we look at a business, we identify the tools, the systems, and then we automate them around five core components. And that's lead generation, when we sell things, when things are presented but not sold, getting those reviews and referrals, and then long-term nurture. And at the end of the day, those five components make up what an infotail or infotailer is about. And if you're not executing each one of those core components, you're not meeting our you know, guidelines and tenets of being a good infotailer or a great infotailer for that fact. Um, so it's a big conversation, and I'm not going to you know, go on too much more because I want this to be for our listeners. But you, know, you can learn more. Can I give a, is it okay to give them a website, Pete? Absolutely. Please, Please okay. do. So very simple, infotail.com, I-N-F-O-T-A-I-L.com. Uh, um, Pete, you mentioned about some stuff that they can get. Uh, you can go to the product side and check that stuff out. Um, and if you want to talk past this, there's a, you can request a call too. But, um, you know, Infotail is a different way of looking at your business. I'm giving you on this interview, this podcast, some nuggets of, of what we teach at Infotail and what we do. Um, and basically, you know, Infotail is the, um, you know, distillation and, and, and completion of everything that we've done here at Gardeners put out for you to do in your business, um, but systematized and, and communicated and done in a way that, um, that we can replicate it into anybody's business. And we're, we're not only helping out furniture and mattress stores, we're in other types of big ticket retail now. Um, you know, from bowling centers to tax prep to home remodeling, um, you know, just, just a bunch of different types of businesses. So, um, we, we can certainly help past this conversation if you're so inclined to take that first step. So, well, and you've helped me immensely. The other part of my question that I didn't finish because it was already so convoluted of a question mm. was I really wanted to thank you. Um, I was very leery of investing two days of my time in one place. And when I walked out of there, 
I have notes that I am still executing, and you're helping me to execute on some of those things, Jeff. And yep. and I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a funny thing. We live in a new world, and uh, I pray to God that all of my rep friends get with the new world because if you don't, you're going to be left. And if you're a retailer, if you don't get with it, you're also going to be left in the in the dust. And I'm not saying that to be mean or cruel, but if I were you, I would take everything that Jeff has talked about. I would reach out to him. I would become his best friend, and I would become a customer of Jeff because Gardner's Furniture has provided a model for future for the future of mattress retailing. Yep. Truly, and uh, yeah. my hat is off to you, clapping out loud, and uh, I couldn't be prouder to call you friend, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Pete. Uh, Doug, did you have anything to add? to that or because I've got something to add to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, I'm, I'm listening to all of this and really the, the message that I'm hearing is, is really three key words came to mind listening to you. The first one was intentional and having the ability to be intentional on every level of your business, I think is, is, a, is such a differentiator for, for your company and, and some of the things that you're doing. And, you know, that was the, that's been the trend through this whole conversation really for me that not only is it is it a, being intentional with measuring your marketing and your advertising, but also being intentional in your in your uh, uh, in your customer experience, right? Because, gosh, you know, you said that you've got customers coming in talking about the great deal they got when the price is the same down the street. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but and and so many retailers and and they're good retailers. So many even good retailers, they don't recognize that there is value that that supersedes just money. And customers put a value on experience. And that's one of the things that, gosh, you guys have just absolutely nailed with your customers, with your systems, with your processes, but also with your employees. And they know what you stand for and they know what you, uh, they know what you expect. And so like Pete said, gosh, I mean, huge applause for um, having, the, having the foresight to be able to put those systems in place and be intentional and be clear about your message, who you're who you're going after and we lost you, Doug. We still there? I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I've lost you, Doug, there for a second. Jeff, you go ahead with your yep. thought and then I've got one more question for you. Doug will hop back on. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I appreciate the accolades from you, Pete, and even from Doug. Um, but, you know, it, it boils down to this one quote that I kind of live with in the back of my mind every day, and that's Einstein's quote on, on the definition of insanity. And it's doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. Um, and it's not to mean, I don't take that to mean where you need to change for the sake of change. But, I mean, gee whiz, mattresses, furniture have been advertised in the same fashion. I mean, I've got a book of ads from the late 50s and early 60s at home. I, I swear, you, you could use that, you could run that same ad today. Yeah. And it, it looks like the same ad from the day it was run to yesterday. Um, but it's the same darn ad. The only thing that's changed is the price points have gone down. Yes. You know, or, or they're the same. I mean, I've got ads that for, are from the seventies that advertise a three ninety nine sofa, Yeah. you know, um, I've got ads for bedroom furniture that advertise a nine ninety nine five piece suite. And I see ads like that. I mean, my gosh, we are a backwards industry in some cases, we are. um, to the point where I really, you know, have to take like a blood pressure pill to calm down because it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So Doing the same thing over, expecting a different result is really, you know, borderline. It's an insidious problem to your success. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll say, look no further. And this isn't to beat up on these companies. But if you're following the lead of your factories and you're, and you're buying from a Simmons, Sealy, a Serta, a Temper, those are two companies. Um, you are just like everybody else when you're buying from two of the same people. You know, customers come in and what's the thing they say? Oh, it all looks the same. Well, 
you know what, Mrs. Customer, that's because it is. I mean, if we're being honest, that's what it is. Um, you know, and, and I've never seen such a time where there's so much consolidation on the supply and the retail side. Um, you know, when we look at, when we look from the supply side, um, you know, when I started in this industry, first of all, Tempur-Pedic was not even a name anybody knew of or, you know, showed any respect to. Right. Twelve years later, uh, Tempur-Pedic bought Sealy for cash. Yes. Cash money. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought? Like, not, not a debt swap, not a stock swap, not, a, not some other fancy Wall Street term that I have no idea what it means. I understand cold, hard cash, and they did it in 12 years. I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hats off to Tempur-Pedic for everything they did to raise the bar of ticket and quality of sleep in the industry. Um, but now we, we've just got this ugly thing called consolidation going on. And it's going to bleed down to the retail channel. Pete sells great products. Um, you know, uh, you should really look hard past your, your main flagship vendors for things to differentiate your store because if you're not you're just like everyone else you're just like the big um you know multi-state and even national footprint chain stores and department stores and listen it's not that they're you know that those companies are doing anything wrong okay um but if you you know i believe differentiate or die and if you're not doing that you know your customer can't get excited about it because you've just got nothing left to uh to be different on um, when you're talking about the same, you know, white rectangle at five ninety nine or seven ninety nine or three ninety nine, um, you know, you really got to look to be different out there, and you're not going to be different selling the same old stuff that everybody else is. Yeah. Uh, Doug, what yes. did you? You were telling us all kinds of good stuff, and you like fell off. We lost you. We lost you at intentional. Oh well, you know what? What I think happened was I think I thought that you had just gotten tired of listening to me, so you just cut me out. <laughs> Actually, that did not happen, and I don't edit these these uh, re- interviews. So, continue on, my friend. All right. Well, I don't know where I left you. Um, the the point the the point was is that the thing that I that that I think has has. Um, has been the ongoing word that has come to my mind as I've as I've heard Jeff um, talking is the word intentional. You know, being intentional in uh, the marketing and advertising side allows um, allows you as a retailer to to measure and make sense of your return on investment and to be able to edit that process. But that intentionality moved on to your customer experience, right? And how. Gosh, the the customer, your customer comes in and sees value in <laughs> in the product that's the same price as it is down the street, but they think they're getting a better deal because they are because they're getting a better value, and they're getting they're getting an overall um, they're getting more for their money and they're getting a level of appreciation that they don't get they don't necessarily get um, other places. And so, you know, like like Pete said before, gosh, I just I applaud your your ability to be intentional in your business, and that I think is is as big of a differentiator as as technology or product mix or um, or having a larger budget than someone else, right? Um, so so for that reason, I mean, gosh, it's it's unbelievable what you what you've been able to do, and I love the quote that I just heard from you: "Differentiate or die." That is awesome. So yeah. Jeff Janakovo quote. Uh, yep. Jeff, I got one more question for you. Yes. Uh, yep. Kelly Hall, who uh, actually pulled a little bit of a prank on my co-host here. You want to talk about that for two minutes? No, I'll, ne- I, no, I'll never forgive Kelly Hall. <laughs> Kelly, you got that? Because I know you're listening to this, brother. No, Kelly is Kelly's hilarious. I met Kelly um, my first day working for Tempur-Pedic. I was flying out to San Diego and I sit down beside this guy, and he's like, "Hey, so what do you do?" And I'm like, "I'm, you know, first day at Tempur-Pedic. I'm really excited. Had never met anyone, didn't know what anybody looked like." And so Kelly, you know, talk. We talked the whole flight out to San Diego. We get off the the flight, and then at the baggage claim, he decides to tell me, "Oh, my name's Kelly Hall. I work for Tempur-Pedic." And I'm thinking, like, 
have I said something? And I'm going back in our conversations like, what did I just tell this guy? What have I done? And so the only thing he does, he shrugs his shoulders. He says, my bags are right there. Go ahead and grab my bag since you're the new guy and meet me out at the shuttle. And, uh, <laughs> and so that was my first ever experience with, um, with Kelly. So great guy. I like Kelly a lot. All right. Well, here's the uh, here's a question I thought we were going to get to 25 minutes ago, but this is awesome. This is our best interview by far. Uh, Kelly Hall says, thanks for the info, Jeff. Congrats on a great business. Great to see independents succeed in the, these competitive marketplaces. How about pillows, top of bed accessories? Do you sell them? Do you sell them first or do you throw them in? And before you start to answer this, Jeff, I'm going to pile on a little bit. Full disclosure, for those of you who don't know this, I am a protective bed rep. And uh, Jeff has given me the honor of being his protective bed rep. And with that, Jeff, you you may answer the question now. (laughs) Yep, and we love protective bed. I'm actually wearing uh, my RemFit Active. Nice. Uh, Brother? (laughs) Yep. And, uh, you know, what I'm noticing in that. I'll get you one, Doug. I'm sorry, brother. Yeah, Doug's without. <laughs> Hold out it, on me. How does it feel to need, Doug? I have I have no idea. I can't be intentional with my with yep. my steps. Yeah. Um, by the way, and, and this is I, I guess this is a plug, but totally unintentional and unscripted. Um, if you're if you're a mattress store and you at all um, purport or propose to sell a better night's sleep, and you don't understand sleep, um, you should, and you have the tool with a RemFit Active from Protective Bed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very cool devices. Uh, I'm realizing that I am getting like next to no REM sleep at all. I'm getting only at best like three to maybe four minutes a night. Uh, and that's a very bad thing. So, uh, I'm working on that, but, uh, but anyway, so yeah. So when it comes down, uh, Kelly, good question. When it comes down to pillows, top of bed, do we sell them? Yes, we do sell them. Um, about six months ago, we actually started, displaying those items as a category, just like you display your memory foam beds, your inner spring beds, your latex beds, uh, any other category in your store. You know, for us, we're, we, we've always kind of sold it as a category and one that if someone said we couldn't have any more, we'd see an impact in dollars, but we never displayed it as a category. So now we have uh, probably amounts to four, maybe 500 square feet in total dedicated to accessories, um, pillows, sheets, protectors, um, you know, uh, bed frames, bed risers, you name it, anything on, under, or around the bed. We're, we're showcasing it as a category now. Um, so we sell them. We sell a lot of them. Um, when we, where do we sell them? Do we sell them first? Do we, uh, talk about it along the way? It really, those things really take life during our sleep assessment, you know, so, uh, Doug, you said about intentional. We have a choreographed and scripted sales presentation, um, and I can probably I can see and feel the eyes rolling from listeners about scripted sales presentation. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, George Clooney is paid what is it like twenty five million dollars a film to read a script, uh, and he's pretty darn good at it. Um, it's a script, and if you and if you and if you think it's anything other than that, uh, it's not. Uh, and it's, it's not his genius. It's not his, it's not anything that George Clooney can do other than he is extremely talented at delivering a script. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. That's his job. And that can be your, your sales team's job. So, um, you know, having a scripted process has gotten a lot of sales organizations, uh, from nothing to millions and billions of dollars over the years. So it's in our sleep assessment, as we call it. Uh, it's a conversation with our customers about sleep need and about how we can help them wake up happy and pain-free. So we're asking in that, you know, about allergies. Uh, do you suffer from allergies? And that brings up great conversation about mattress protection. Um, when, we talk, when, we, when we start seating in and talking about pillows, we're asking about position. Do you sleep with one pillow or two? Is this a choice? Is this a necessity? Um, do you like a firm pillow or a softer pillow? Do you hug? Do you scrunch it? Do you just lay on it? How does it position? Is it just on your ear or is it under your head, onto your shoulders? Um, all these questions are about the th- other items that we sell. Um, we go down to sheets, you know, um, 
we we really don't let people buy you know a temperature regulating bed or sleep system without talking about sheets mm-hmm. because they could get that bed home and and not like it and here they put on these you know polyester blend sheets from 1985 that <laughs> are you know the starchiest most stiffest things ever and just change the feel of the bed mm-hmm. or worse they go home and put a topper on it and a, and a quilted mattress pad you know, and, and that's that's our failure. If we let our customer do that, we failed. Um, it's what the customer's done for years and years and years. It's old habit, but we need to have that conversation. And, and Doug, I like your word: be very intentional about what we present and when we present it, and why we're asking those questions. Because um, it's all part of a good night's sleep. It really so, is. So, Kelly, all of this happens before the customer ever lays down on a mattress. Yep. They are already planting the seeds uh, for the pillows, for the sheets, for the protectors before they even lay down on a mattress. They're not selling it. They're just getting the information together that they need uh, to actually sell it. And then throughout the selling process, they will expose to the, cu- the customer to that so that when it comes to the end, it's not an add-on anymore. It's 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 almost like they do such a good job, Kelly, that the customer would ask them about the protector. Well, hold on. What about that protector? Oh, you're going a little too fast. If if the salesperson forgot, I almost think that the way that the assessment is structured and the way your process is structured, Jeff, that some of the customers would actually say, "Hey, I I need I need a pillow and, and I need a protector, and I'm not leaving till I get one." Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy for us to be attaching pillows, protection, um, sheets, because it, we've just made it part of the conversation. We never ask, you know, I shouldn't say we never ask. It's not in our process to ask at the counter. Oh, by the way, do you want a protector? That's not in our process. Our process is to be bringing it up during the presentation. Uh, and to your comment, Pete, about before, you know, we're doing all this before we lay down on beds. Yeah, we are. We have a lounge. We have a customer lounge set up for this. We actually have two of them now. One's in the, one's in the uh, uh, soft goods area uh, that we have as a category, as a display focal point in the store. Uh, and, then, and then the other one's in our dedicated lounge where we have a bunch of cool old advertising stuff that I'm into where my wife doesn't want it displayed at home, so it's displayed here at the store. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you laugh. But listen, our target's boomers and seniors. Yeah, you know, I throw up. I throw up an old Coca-Cola direct response ad. That takes people back. I've got some old school Disney stuff from from when our customers were kids. It takes them back. Yeah, um, the Charles Atlas course. Uh, I've got, got that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, we've got. That's I've great. got a Superman ring that I've had offers for people to buy that six and seven times. Yeah. Uh, I'm not selling it, but I've got it. Yeah. But it's it's in our lounge, and again, it's all intentional. It's all meant to just kind of get them to turn their head and say, "Huh." This place is different, yeah. right? You know, this isn't this isn't the three ninety nine super special that ends at five p.m. today, never to be repeated until ten oh one a.m. tomorrow morning, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's not our place. Um, and so, yeah, that that whole assessment is conducted um, in a uh, in in almost a controlled environment. And I mean, this is inspired by um, really where this came from is in the uh, insurance industry. If you know. Back years gone by, I mean, uh, there was a, a small company, I say small, kind of self-deprecating, uh, called Primerica that was built on a kitchen table insurance sales pitch. And, and it went so from small. Right. It went from nothing to like a billion dollar valuation and like real money. I'm not talking Biggest. Uber, $41 billion drunk Wall Street IPO money. I'm talking like real money. Real contracts that people sold and, and got tangible dollars mm-hmm. from Ma and Pa Smith across the kitchen table. That's a scripted sales process that it, works this, in the this real will world. Make you laugh, but my original insurance was sold by somebody uh, that I played football with. Mm-hmm. And I still have a Primerica life insurance policy. They yep. are the largest writer of term insurance in the world and have been for years. Yep. And uh, yep. I remember their booklet. It's called Common Sense. When the guy got done, I said, why don't we have a course like this in high school? Right. You know? So, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I do want you to get into Ben Bucks a little bit. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the last part of, of Kelly's question about throwing them in. So, so we have, we have two different, two different discounting strategies here at our store. We have coupons, which are Ben Bucks. So these are coupons that we created. They look like dollar bills. They've got a, a caricature image of Ben, my business partner. And he, and just so he's the face of the gardener's business. He's been, he was with the previous owner for a decade. Um, you know, I like to joke, Ben is, ben is everyone's grandson, son, and nephew. He's just got that quality about him. Uh, I've never seen someone so, so capable of putting a skeptical consumer at ease. Uh, he just has this instant connection. Um, uh, something that I, in four years, I've not been able to emulate. So uh, it's really cool quality about Ben. But um, So he's the face of the business. So he's on the Ben box. And these are coupons. So anything under a $1,000 purchase, we have three different levels of coupons. Um, and it's basically dollars off your purchase. They're on our website. Print them off. We mention them in advance. We don't make people, you know, if you don't have it, we'll bring it up. And if we have to, to close the sale um, and use it. Okay. Uh, when we go beyond $1,000, we have bonus cash. And that basically operates like a, like a gift with purchase type promotion. So, so we don't violate, you know, Tempur-Pedic's rules, Serta I Comfort, Serta I Series rules. Um, but we don't say, well, here's the two free pillows you can have, or here's the set of sheets you can have. We just have these amounts of Ben bucks, hundred bucks, two hundred, or bonus cash, hundred, two hundred, and three hundred dollars that commensurates with the level of purchase. But the thing is, is we're using that as a closing tool, and we're using that after we've already prescribed the whole package, so it doesn't become, well, I've got two hundred dollars to spend, so I'm only going to buy two hundred dollars in pillows. Um, so everything goes on the invoice at full price. This way, the consumer gets the value of the item. Okay. This way, if they come back to buy it, they, they know how much it is. If they buy another pillow, which happens often, if they buy another protector, which happens often, sure. they know the value of it. Absolutely. And they get that there's value there. Um, the fact that we gave them bonus cash, you know, that was a bonus. It, it was part of an event that we had going on. Um, we were, you know, it was part of a, a vendor event, whatever it is. But, but they get the value of it. So I guess in a way you could say we throw them in in those cases, but we are certainly, um, you know, typically bonus cash is only about 40 or 50% of the total accessory purchase. Awesome. So Jeff, you blew me away, my friend. Um, I don't know how much, um, money somebody should pay for this, but it, it's way <laughs> over a thousand bucks, man. Way yeah. over a thousand bucks. Yeah. Doug, you got any closing words, my friend? Doug, you disappeared on me again. Where, where, where does Doug live in the world? Uh, Doug lives in North Carolina, I believe. Uh, I, be I heard they just got their full-on internet connections down there about a year <laughs> ago. So maybe he's, maybe he's on the cuff. <laughs> so. Doug. All right. Jeff, any last words? We're going to wrap this baby up. Yeah, no. I mean, thank you for listening. Um, you know, I, I hope you got the value of it. I would never think of uh, charging anybody. Uh, the, my goal, you know, inform first. I mean, that's what my company name, Infotail, came from that. Give information first. And uh, when you do that right in a systematized way, your customers will come to you. You'll be able to track where they're coming from. So it's not the, uh, it's not the new, new twist on the old branding conversation. But certainly inform. Certainly give good value-added information first. And your customers are going to love it and uh, come and do business with you. So hope you enjoyed this. I know I did. Thank you for listening to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. We love reviews at our podcast. They help us get found. Please review us at iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, please subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Primo Furniture Sales. For more tips on selling furniture and mattresses, go to PetePrimo.com. Till we meet again, sell a million. Thank you. <laughs>